0: Yeah, the latest economic numbers are really encouraging. We looked at uh, the private sector, ADP numbers, job gains were half again what was expected. Uh, Leisure and hospitality are just on fire. They're going back to retail. Uh, Airline numbers are up again. You know, it looks like a nice upturn for the hospitality industry for the hotels, but, boy, it, it has been rough for the last year or so. Paul Corey is founder and CEO of Corey Hospitality, which just recently relocated. Here at Las Colinas, they've been operating in a tough environment, and he joins us right now. It's good to have you with
1: us. Good to talk with you, David.
0: It's good to, good to speak to a survivor. <laughs> That's the toughest period you're ever going to see, right?
1: Yeah, I hope so. Um, when I was uh, in banking out of college, I had a boss, and whenever we made a really good loan, he would say, the only way this is going to go bad is if there's an Armageddon? Well, I never thought I would live through an Armageddon, but we lived through an Armageddon.
0: Yeah, yeah, we did. It was interesting, though. I mean, and the thing is, you—I'm looking at your inventory. Of course, you've got the Great Hotel and, and Grapevine just opening up, and and you, mm-hmm. you're working on other ones that are right on the cusp and getting ready. And it looks like you're perfectly positioned to take advantage of this reopening. How many hotels do you have operating right now?
1: We have twelve operating and four that are opening over the next two years, uh, and we opened three during the pandemic and took over one. So it was a uh, crazy year for us.
0: Yeah, uh, but are you seeing the bookings? I mean, now, I, are you are you mostly leisure travel that you're after, or is it business?
1: Um, so we really specialize in the lifestyle boutique brand. And predominantly we're Marriott, not exclusively, but predominantly we have either autographs or tributes. And so those brands tend to have about, they're a really unique brand because they have about 60 to 70% business travelers. But then if you pick the right locations, you pick up on the social side as well uh, through the branding and locations. And that's what I think. uh, So that's what we like to think that we are is, a mix of about so, you know well, sixty
0: forty. Grapevine Hotel is an example. This is Hotel Van, right? Right. Now you don't say a Hotel Van.
1: Hotel Van. Do you say Van? Yeah. Well, okay. It is wine. We're right? not, we we're not, Yeah. We're not putting the European <laughs> spin on it. But. Uh, but that's le- that's leisure.
0: That's a sort of a destination hotel, isn't it?
1: Actually, we're we're doing really well with the business travelers because of our proximity to DFW. Uh, we have a very very close proximity. And we're we're literally a seven minute ride, and they the the new high speed rail, the TexRail train, right? We're the first stop from DFW, oh, so theoretically, yeah. So theoretically, all these hotel guests that stay over on business because of a layover or whatever flight related, they they should be in play for us too. That's not really our model, but we are seeing some of that.
0: The uh, your model though. Seems to be in off off the path markets. I mean, I know you were right. operating in in uh, getting ready to go into Amarillo, and you've got Indianapolis, Oklahoma City, those kind of right. markets. You know, this is what airlines are after. David Nealman, the guy who founded JetBlue, just started up a new airline, Breeze, right. and it is to serve cities just like that, underserved right.
1: cities. Well, think about this. I have less competition. The barriers of entry are higher uh, because, you know, it's not it's not as glamorous. As, it's not as sexy. It doesn't maybe have the panache. But they're very for us in all the markets we're in. We're the top producers in terms of occupancy and revenue. And we try to – it's easy to distinguish ourselves. And uh, there's enough people within the Marriott. Travel platform, one hundred sixty million one hundred sixty million uh, members that want the autograph or tribute brand. So we're finding above, way, way above average occupancies uh, and a premium rate in these in these second tier, uh, second tier cities. So
0: is the criteria for getting into that brand? Is it is it sort of classic buildings? Because it looks like mostly you've gone into, you know, older buildings and redone them, sort of classic locations.
1: That was the when the brand first started, they were looking for boutique properties. And by virtue of what was out there, that was kind of the start of it. And I think in the beginning, probably 80% of the hotels that were in autograph were historical. And now it's probably the other way where maybe 70% are new builds. And a lot of the historical ones have kind of played through that eight-year window, and they picked them up, and they've been placed into these soft brands, they call them, uh, you know, the 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 Hilton version of that is Curio. Right. So and, and they refer to these as soft brands, but it lets you create a story, uh, play off the architecture if it's historical and then uh, brand it so that it's unique, but still have the platforms of the service and the standards of the Hilton or the Marriott.
0: Well, sorry, of your owned hotels, are most of those classic locations?
1: Uh yeah, we're about now. We So the Venn was a new build. We, we did a new build in Minneapolis. We did uh, a new build in Carmel, Indiana. Uh, there's benefits both ways. Uh, but uh, So for me now, I would say that we don't have, where in the beginning it may have been historical, now that's not necessarily the platform we're going after. We'll, we'll do either one, new or historical.
0: And, and you ventured into some other thing. You've got a food hall in Grapevine. Is that new for you?
1: It is new, and we, we did a partnership with the City of Grapevine on that. But um, the, what makes the success of these soft brand hotels are the food and beverage. And so we've become very adept at creating unique uh, draws regarding whether it's a rooftop bar or a speakeasy or, uh, like in the Venn, that restaurant, the Bacchus, who's the god of wine, uh, that hotel, we did a partnership with Riedel Glassware. Sure, we did a partnership with some California wineries, and it's all about wine. And uh, it's done really well, where it's not too contrived, but it feels very, for anyone who appreciates wine, they're going to go in there and say, "Oh my gosh!" I they have, they serve in the correct glasses. They, you know, the the menus driven around some uh, some wines. But so the food hall was just another extension. Of a, of a food and beverage operation, just on a greater scale. Uh, we have seven restaurants and two bars and a stage for entertainment. And um, again, if I'm a guest and I and I want to stay and I want your business, if I've got good food and beverage options for you and you don't leave the property, uh, you're going to come back and stay there because you like that. Right. And so let's say 10 years ago, it went like this. Someone would say, uh, I'm going to stay in your hotel, but I'm not going to eat in your restaurant, so tell me where a good restaurant is. And it just was a given that you didn't <laughs> yeah. eat in the hotel right, restaurant. Right. Now, with our version, we like to think it's the opposite, uh, that they're going to say, oh, my gosh, I want to stay there because of your restaurant or because of your rooftop bar. And then uh, so from a revenue standpoint, we pick up a lot more revenue from the guests that stay with us off food and beverage.
0: So tell me about the plans. You've, you've relocated your corporate headquarters down here um, to Las Colinas, and and it sounds like you've got expansion plans.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, we, we've we always been intrigued with Texas, and we, we really like the business culture there. I think uh, that's why so many companies locate there. They're very pro-business, obviously, from, from many respects. Uh, but for us during COVID, with all the positions we had to hire, so while we're laying off people, furloughing people, at the same time, we were hiring many, many management positions, both corporately and at the property level. And because Texas had such a large amount of employees that were furloughed also in the hospitality, we including Marriott's corporate offices, I think, let go maybe 400 people. Right. So we started hiring these people. I think we hired around 25 positions and most of them, a lot of them were from the Texas area, or people, we were obviously out of Kansas City, and we would give them an option of, you know, Kansas City or Texas, and they all preferred Dallas. So I looked up, and I said, you know what? This is a change we're going to make, and, and we did it. We we, I'm We made an audible, and I've never been afraid of making change, and I think for us it's going to be, Great and growing our platform, both from raising capital, doing new deals. Uh, I think we really want to do a lot more in the Texas market. We're really excited about. You
0: and know, and the you state bring of Texas. up capital. Capital is the key. I mean, but, but you got to have some deep pockets to make it through a period, a prolonged period, where you have no revenue coming in at all. Right. But you right. have expenses.
1: How'd you do yeah. it? You got
0: good partners, or did you get government help?
1: Uh, all the above. I mean, honestly, um, we we don't operate with a lot of leverage, and that helped. But we, we did make some capital calls, and the importance of partners and saving for a rainy day is for sure out there. But, you know, I don't want to – all the banks were very cooperative. All the banks worked with us on deferring interest. And the regulators, why they never gave direct guidelines to the bankers, they said, work with them. This is something that's not because people uh, were doing bad business or made bad business decisions, right? This was epic. It was uh, like nothing anyone had seen. And then, you know, and the PPP program was, you know, good or bad, however people feel about it, the timing was a lifesaver for, for many, many companies around the United States yeah. that wouldn't have survived. Uh, without it.
0: Well, and, and that was, that was the target. That was the key and apparently successful. Well, we, we wish you the best. Like I said, we're hearing good things about airline bookings. I, I saw the CEO of Hilton on the other day saying his, he had the best Saturday occupancy levels he'd ever had in his hotel. So.
1: Well, we're, we're doing really well. Uh, some markets are better than others. And I think one of the questions that uh, you were curious about at one point was possibly, Uh, leisure versus even um, international. And so what what we're seeing is that there is a tremendous pent up demand for people to travel. uh, (laughs) And I, and I think international is going to be crazy, but I will say this and I hope people are patient. We're going to have an incredible challenge with labor uh, and both Everyone. I mean, I don't know if you go out to dinner much since the pandemic, but right. it's pretty frustrating. Typically, the service is slow, the kitchen is slow, um, and I hope people are patient because it's going to take a year or two to get uh, the disruption put back in place.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I, but it'll come, and happily, happily, it will. Paul Corey is founder and CEO of Corey Hospitality, which just relocated here, and we're happy to have you. Thanks for the time.
1: Thank you, sir. Appreciate it.
0: Thanks for more of conversation with Mr. Corey. Go to KRLD.com slash CEO. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.